Hey, thanks for joining us here at the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. There's a lot of great resources there that are free and will help you grow closer to God and help you connect with the church. Right now, let's go to our lead pastor, Chris Figueretti, for this week's message. Well, hello and welcome, everybody, back to week four of our series called Fearless. As uh, we sat down and looked at our schedule for this year, one of the things that was absolutely clear is that as a culture and a society, we have been dealing with the issue of fear and anxiety and stress for so long now that 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 maybe we ought to talk about it. Like Maybe we ought to dive into God's word and find out what he has to say about how to navigate that, because it is the reality that we live in. You know, starting about two years ago now, uh, COVID landed on our shores, and it has turned our world upside down. Uh, it seems like every week there's something new to adapt to. There's some new thing to be afraid of. We have to figure out how we're going to wrangle our kids or, or pay our bills or deal with the inflation. And so it's either economic or medical or societal. There's something coming at us nonstop for the last two years to the point that as I look around my, as I look around and see the people in my world, in my orbit, I see a physical toll taking place in people's lives. Like you can only manage that much adrenaline for so long until your body starts to kind of give out on you. And, uh, and, and so we're starting to see that all, all over the place. People are done. You've heard the expression, I'm done with COVID. We're just done. I can't do it anymore. It doesn't matter. I just can't do it anymore. And I think that's true. And so what we've done is we've, we've got a war now to follow it up. Uh, and so there's something else to be afraid of and something else to be on alert about. And, uh, and I want to unpack in the weeks to come practically how we, how we can manage that inside ourselves and the, the physiological aspects of that. But, but this week, as I sat down to write this message, uh, I, I, I pivoted on what I was going to talk about. I started with a completely different topic um, and went in a completely different Direction. And what I want to do this week is tie together some current events and some of the things that we've covered in the previous weeks. And again, if you've missed the previous weeks, please go back and watch them because this all does really tie together. Um, and so I, I sat down to write this message, and I was going to talk about the fear of rejection and and failure and, and those kinds of things. And this passage just reverberated in my mind, and it's Matthew 24. And if you have a Bible, open up your Bible to Matthew 24. If you have a device and you want to open it up on your device, you can open it up there. And you're just going to stay in Matthew 24 today. Uh, I'm going to bounce around to a couple other scriptures, but we're just going to hang out here for most of the day. And uh, we're going to start in verse 6. And this is Jesus. He's got his disciples around him. And uh, he, he, he's kind of given them a download on what is to come. And he gives them a little bit of vision for what is about to happen and what will happen in the future to help prepare them for that. And this is what he says, Matthew 24, verse 6. He says, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Now, in the last week, we have heard of wars and rumors of wars. And in the time that we live in, we can actually see these wars unfold on our televisions. 
Uh, and it is upsetting. Uh, if you've seen the images, uh, there'd be people rallying around the Ukrainian people and, and, and the, their cause. And, but it is absolutely alarming. And Jesus says here, look, that's going to happen, but don't be alarmed. Don't get wrapped around the axle about these things when they happen. Don't spin out emotionally when you hear about these things or see these things happening around you. And it would seem that Jesus is saying, look, there's a way to live in the midst of an unsettled world and not be unsettled yourself. And the Apostle Paul hits on this in Philippians 4 and verse 6. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Well, how do you do that? How do you not be anxious about anything? And, uh, and, and like I said, we're going to unpack some things in the weeks ahead, but, but this foundation is so important that I want, and that Jesus unpacks here, that this is where I want to land today. Now, Jesus says, look, you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. See to it that you're not alarmed. Then he goes into some more things that are even more upsetting than that. And the reality is, is Jesus is being a bit of a downer here, right? I mean, come, come on, Jesus. Like, I want to hear something happy. And, I, and I'm not unaware that, that a lot of people come to church because they want to feel happy. Like, I hear people say this all the time. I, I come to church because I feel so much better when I leave, which is true. When you spend time focusing on God, worshiping him, connecting with his people, and connecting with his spirit, you leave feeling different. You leave feeling better. That's great. But it's not just blowing sunshine that makes you feel better. Sometimes a little reality therapy, understanding where we are and the reality of, of the world that we live in, and then walking away with God's words to address that is way more powerful than just like, here's five steps to living a happier life. I, I don't have that message for you today because that's not the message that Jesus gives here. The reality is things are bad. Reality is there's a war in Europe right now. For the first time in my lifetime, the, uh, the military alert uh, status is at DEFCON 2. If you ha didn't grow up in the 60s, 70s, or 80s, DEFCON 2 is the highest alert that you can have next to DEFCON 1. Yeah, right. So DEFCON, DEFCON 2 is the uh, nuclear threat level. Number one is the, the bombs are flying. Number two is we're right there. That hasn't happened since the Cuban Missile Crisis in the 1960s. That's where we are right now. That's a big deal. Like, anxiety-inducing anyone? Um, they're, they're, you know, if you would have asked me a week ago what's going on with, with Putin and all of that, not that I have an inside line on that, but I watch current events and am up on what's going on, I would have said he's posturing... Nothing's going to come of it, and now they're, they're in Kiev. I mean, it's crazy what has happened in one week. Jesus says this. He says, such things must happen. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. He says, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Is this is this helping your, your agita a little bit, your, you know, the upset stomach? I mean, it's like, it's getting worse here, Jesus. He says, all of these things are the beginning of birth pains. 
What Jesus is explaining there is these things are going to happen. They're going to come. They're going to start out far apart, uh, like birth pains. You know, you're, you're 15, 20, 25 minutes apart, and then they, the, the contractions get closer and closer and closer. I know this from personal experience. They get closer and closer until it's time to have the baby. And, and so Jesus is like, this is the beginning of that. We're all, we're all the way out here. There, there's more that is to come, and it's going to come more rapidly. Now, I know what you're thinking. Are you saying that the, the, the war that's going on in Ukraine right now is a manifestation of what Jesus is talking about here, that, that this, is, this is the end, that Jesus is coming back next September? I have no idea, and neither do you. You, do, you don't know. Jesus said we won't know, and Christians forever, I mean, just in the last century, have, have had to have thought that. World War I, when you've got millions of people, I mean, dying on a scale that the world had never seen before, they had to be thinking, this is the end. In World War II, with Hitler and the genocide of the Jews and the evil that was going on in the world at that point, they had to be thinking, this was the end. This is, this is it. This is, it's all coming down right now. As we watch communism unfold over the 20th century in, in the Soviet Union and in Mao's China, Korea, uh, North Korea, Vietnam, uh, Cuba, we watch a genocide of Christians. They just wipe them out. And any dissenters, we watch over a hundred million people murdered. The, the, and the people in those countries had to be thinking, this is the end. Jesus is coming back. I, with the, in the early part of the 20th century, there was an entire, the Armenian people, almost an entire race of Christian people in the Middle East, over a million of them completely wiped out. It's called the Armenian Genocide. And then they had to be thinking, this is the end. You know, just in recent years, you know, the last five or so years, as we've watched the... Uh, as we watch that, the caliphate kind of sweep over the Middle East and Iraq and Syria, and we've watched images, if, you were, if you're old enough to remember this, you don't have to be that old, but you know, pictures of Christians being burnt alive and drowned in cages and executed and, um, and, and women and children being sold into sex slavery because they're Christians or Yuzetis. And, and this, guys, this was in the last couple of years. In Iraq, the population of Christians in the last, uh, Christians in the last 20 years has gone from 1.5 million to less than 120,000. It's got to be the end. Is it? I don't know. I, I mean, is it? Yes. We live in the end times. What is the timeline? I don't know. See, we think in terms of months, and we forget about these things if it goes past a year or so. And God thinks in terms of centuries. And so his timing will be his timing, and not, this war will be whatever it is, but it certainly is real to us right now. And Jesus says, these are going to come. Things will be unsettled, but don't be alarmed by it. These things must happen. And then in verse 9, he says, Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. It's getting even better. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. Guys, this doesn't feel real to us, does it? I mean, as, as, if you are a follower of Jesus and you live in the United States of America, this doesn't feel real. We have lived in a bubble of pro-Christian sentiment 
for hundreds of years. Since our founding, we have lived in this bubble of pro-Christian sentiment, but we have watched over the last 50 years as we have transitioned from a Christian culture, Christian society, to a post-Christian culture and society. And that sentiment, it's changing. I mean, it's not, we're not all the way there yet, but it's changing. There's a big blow up on Facebook this week about some curriculum that the, that the uh, Ohio County schools uh, changed because of concerns of some parents. And, uh, and it's, it's fascinating. It was um, you know, people were angry that they, they changed it, that the parents had the concerns. And it became clear as this Facebook thing blew up that, that some of the parents were Christians and they started, started attacking the churches and there weren't any churches that were involved, but they started attacking the churches. And one person posted, you know, all these people who are offended by this, you just need to be taken out in front of a firing squad. That makes my blood run cold. I don't know about you, but that's, that is a shift in sentiment because it's the church's fault. So my question for you, I, that's more upsetting than what's going on in Europe right now. What's, my question for you is this. What do you do if you're pulled in front of a firing squad? Not saying it's going to happen next week, but how do you stand in front of a firing squad and smile? Because that's basically what Jesus is talking about. Like, you don't have to get wrapped around the axle about it. And I think Jesus lays out the pathway here in this passage. And the first thing is simply this. Live for God's kingdom, not yours. Live for God's kingdom, not yours. You will always be afraid when your hope is in this world. When your hope is for the things of this world and your time here on this earth, you will always be afraid because you can't control the contingencies and the things that you hope in could be lost. Jesus in Matthew 6, says, but seek first his kingdom, God's kingdom, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. The context of this is Jesus is like, is telling his followers, you're worried about all kinds of things. You don't need to be worried you're worried about what the kingdom that you're building for yourself. But if you will build my kingdom, if you will focus on God's kingdom, you don't have to worry about those things. And there's two parts to that. One is, one is God is, or Jesus is promising that he will provide for what you need. And you don't have to worry about it. He's got you. He's God. He's big enough to take care of everything you need along the way. But there's a second part of that that brings, I think, even more peace, and that is we're not responsible for the kingdom. See, ultimately, you are responsible for your kingdom, the one you're building for yourself, the one that you can't control the contingencies on, the one that you will frantically work yourself into an early grave trying to secure something that is completely unsecurable. But when you seek first God's kingdom, the responsibility is his. And ultimately, it lifts the weight off of you. Now, we live in a time of unprecedented freedom and prosperity and possibility and technological advancement. Life, you know, life gets easier every year. If there's a problem, science will figure out a solution for it um, at warp speed. But 
In an environment like that, it is very easy to put your hope in this world. It just is. It's easy. And when you do that, you end up living for this world, for this life, instead of for the next. And that, my friend, is where fear has its heyday. So let me ask you, which are you living for? This world or the next? God's kingdom or yours? Well, let me give you a little test on that. How does it make you feel when Jesus says, you will be persecuted and put to death? How does that make you feel? Well, if you're living for this world, it's terrifying. That's anxiety-inducing. It is, I don't really want that. Well, none of us really want that. But if you're living for the next, what you, under, what you have that you don't otherwise have is perspective. Because whatever trouble or trial or tribulation that you face, it's a small part of the journey. It's a small part of the journey. See, when you, you live in light of eternity, a bad year is just a bad year. It's, it's, it doesn't even show up on the timeline of your existence. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul uh, addresses this. Um, he's the guy that wrote this. He, he said, five times I've received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. And I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. Anxiety, anyone? It's a lot, to, a lot of trial that Paul went through. He was persecuted at every turn, rejected by his own people. And he's the guy that writes in 2 Corinthians 4, Verse 17, he says this, for our light and momentary troubles, the guy who's been beaten with rods and stoned to death or almost to death and rejected and imprisoned and everything, for our light, there's some perspective here, guys, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Paul has this eternal perspective. His, his eyes are on God's timeline, not his. And he understands that whatever he's going through, whether it's a shipwreck or an imprisonment or, what, it's not the, or, or an illness or, or whatever else, it's not the end of the world. Not his world anyway, because his life goes long past this one. And it's just a really short, in the grand scheme of things, just a really short and momentary trouble. And then in verse 18, he goes on, he says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen. In other words, I don't put our eyes on what's going on around us in this world, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. He said, I, I put my eyes on heaven. I put my eyes on eternity. I walk with that perspective. Guys, as human beings, we walk with the perspective of what we can see ahead of us in the next couple of days for the most part. If we're big thinkers, we'll think outside the, the box and plan for the next couple of years. But, but for Paul's like, no, 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 you got to look at the timeline of eternity. 
Living for his kingdom is the first secret to living with peace in the midst of turmoil, but the second is living on his timeline, not yours. I think this is how Christians in China, in the Middle East, throughout history who have been persecuted for their faith, I think this is how they have stood before firing squads and said, do your best. This is how the Apostle Paul stands before before the Roman officials and says, if you're going to crucify me, can you do it upside down because I don't deserve to die like Jesus did. Live on his timeline, not yours. In verse 10, Jesus goes on, "At, at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. So he says, many, many people are going to turn away. And, and the truth is, if you're living for your kingdom and on your timeline, you're not going to last. If, if your perspective is, is just the world around you and the, and the, and the days ahead of you on, in this life, you're not going to make it through turmoil or suffering. You are going to be dealing with fear. You are going to be dealing with um, uncertainty in your heart and in your life, and ultimately, you're not going to last. And Jesus is giving his disciples, I think, a gift here. It's a little bit of reality therapy, like it's not always going to be easy, but that's okay. I'm with you, and, um, and you need to prepare yourself, and he's giving them the opportunity to do that. And you need to determine, is God, is God on your team or are you on his? We covered this in the second week of this series and going through the life of Joshua. God loves you. He's for you. He sent his son to die for you, but he did not come to be on your team to make your thing great. He came so that you could be on his team and in his kingdom, and you could be seeking his kingdom and living on his timeline. And it brings life in all of its fullness when we do. But if you are living for your kingdom and on your timeline, you're not going to make it, Jesus says. So determine ahead of time what you're going to do. I think the third thing that we see here from Jesus is, is, is this, that we are to live and love well. Guard your heart. Live and love well. Guard your heart. In verse 12, he says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Can we be honest for a minute? I'm honest all the time. I'm, but except when Christy says, does, does this look good? Well, actually, I'm always honest, Christy. Uh, everybody else. Um, there's, there's hardly a day that goes by where I'm not having a conversation with somebody, and a lot of times it's people who don't go to church anywhere. It's the insurance agent or, or somebody at the grocery store or, or whatever who, who are like, our world's so screwed up. I mean, you don't have to be a Christian to observe that these days, right? I mean, our world is a mess. Our, our, culture, our culture and society is unraveling. Hopelessness and suicide are up and to the right. Uh, addiction and overdose, up and to the right. Immorality, sexual and otherwise, up and to the right. We live in the day when people are calling good evil and evil good, and everybody sees it, 
not just the Christians. I mean, you look around, man, people, our kids are a wreck and, and our lives are spinning out of control and everybody's feeling it, not just, not just the church people. Wickedness is increasing. It is. And Jesus warns us, he said, the love of most will grow cold. If your hope is in your kingdom, you're screwed. You are. You, you, because your heart will grow cold. Because your love will grow cold. In an environment like that, it's inevitable. But when you have God's perspective, the eternal perspective, and you're building his kingdom, and you're guarding your heart, that's not necessarily the case. In verse 13, Jesus says, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. See, there's, there, there's a way through this, but you're going to have to guard your heart. The person who doesn't let their love grow cold, the person who doesn't return evil for evil, the person who is, is able to show kindness in the midst of, of being cursed at, the person who doesn't give up and give themselves over to sin. Guys, those are the natural response, our natural responses to hit back. Our natural responses to return evil for evil. Our natural responses to look around us and go, and despair and let our hearts implode. But Jesus is like, look, I'm giving you this gift. You can know this ahead of time and you can walk through this and not just survive it, but you can thrive in the midst of it. Keep your eyes on my kingdom. Keep your eyes on my timeline and guard your heart. Love and live well, but you're going to have to choose it on the front end. The fourth thing that I think we learn here from Jesus is in verse 14, and it's this, it's live on mission. Live on mission. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Jesus always brings it back to helping people find and follow God. And it's interesting because we, we covered this several weeks ago at the end of Matthew, how Jesus told the disciples, look, I want you to go help people find and follow me and I'll be with you always. You don't have to be afraid. And he knows, and he, it's, it's, it's a natural dynamic. When we remain focused on the mission, the distractions around us fall away. As you live on mission, fear will fade. And it's just true. It's when we, it's when we kick back and, and kind of like, well, whatever. And, it, and, and listen to me. Listen, I'm not saying that we don't have other pursuits or we don't have other plans or other ambitions. What Jesus is talking about is the kingdom of God is our primary concern. Helping people find and follow God is our primary mission. It doesn't mean you don't make plans for your life or you don't save for retirement or you don't do any of those things. That's not what I'm talking about. But when your primary concern and your hope is in the kingdom of God and you are helping people find and follow him and that's what you're here for first and foremost, all the worries around you kind of fade into the background because you're focused on what it is you are created to do. Now, a lot of us hear, the, hear um, Jesus say, 
And then the end will come. And there's a lot of anticipation around that. People who have been following God for a long time are like, come now, you know, just, just put it into all this. Let's, let's, let's get it over with and get on to heaven and looking forward to heaven. And it's not that, it's not that, that we don't love our families and, and the blessings and the lives that God has given us in this world. I think we're supposed to enjoy those as much as we can, given the situations that we're in and to cherish our families and, and all of us. Not that, it's that we know there's something much better waiting on the other side, an un, uninhibited relationship with our Heavenly Father, a forever without all this sin and brokenness and destruction around us. It's a pretty good thing to look forward to. But there are others of us who hear that the end will come, and it's terrifying for you. And so my question for you today is, which is it? And what, what have you done with Jesus is really the question. Because Jesus came. He lived a sinless life so that he could die a, as an offering for sin, as a payment for sin, for your sin. God loves you that much that he came after you and he died in your place because it's your sin that separates you from God. And Jesus died and he said, look, if you will follow me, put your faith in me, then my payment for sin is applied to your life and I will give you complete forgiveness. I will wash away all the shame and the guilt and you will be able to live the life that you were created to live and in the end, you will be with me forever in heaven. Because if that isn't clear in your heart and in your head, if you haven't made things right with God, then the end will come. That's a terrifying statement. But if you have gotten things right with God, if you have chosen Jesus and invited him into your life, then you don't have to fear that anymore. That was last week's message. Go listen to Chris Dew. He did a fantastic job with the fear of death. But this is so very important. If you have not come to a place where you've placed your life, your hope, your future into God's hands, and invited Jesus to come into your heart and be your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you to do that today. Just to say, bow your head where you are and, and tell God, I'm in. I need to get this eternity thing settled. And I want to live without fear in this life. And when you do, you get off the hamster wheel of this world. Because that's really what this world is. We, we live and we can only see a, a few feet in front of us. And so it's just running after the next step and the next step. And we can step back into the, into the hamster cage of, of life and lay back in the wood chips and watch the other hamsters run. But have some, have some peace because your perspective has changed. Guys, I don't know when the end will be. You don't know when the end will be. But I do know this, your peace is connected directly to where your heart is. Is it in his kingdom or is it in yours? His, your peace and ability to walk through trying times 
is directly connected to whose plan you're living out, yours or his. It's directly connected to whose timeline you're living on as well. But when you're settled in your heart that you're on his team, that you're in on his plan, that you're living on his timeline, and you understand that in the end you win, whether in this life or the next, death has no sting. Guys, that's how you stand in front of a firing squad and smile. A couple weeks ago, my, I was talking with a buddy of mine, and he was telling me about how he liked to watch um, Ohio State, which, you know, there's no accounting for taste or anything, but he, um, <clears throat> just kidding, Ohio State fans, um, he, uh, he, liked to re- he likes to record the games, and then he'll just make sure he doesn't find out who won the game or what the score is, and then he'll go back and watch them. But this one particular game, he heard the score, but he decided to watch the game anyway. So he sat down to watch the game, and it was a yo-yo of a game. It was all over the place. It looked like Ohio State was going to lose, and then, they, and then they came back and went ahead, and then they, they kind of lost it again and, and all that. And he said, but be, he sat there and watched the game, but it was a completely different experience because he knew that, that, the team, that his team won in the end. And so he said, normally, a game like that, he would have, his wife would have heard him from the basement screaming at the television, jumping up and down, yelling about, he would have been so much adrenaline released in his body watching a game like that. But he said, because I knew that we won in the end, I just, I just kind of sat there and watched it. Well, they're going to come back. Guys, that is how we can go through life. We don't have to get all amped up about what's going on around us because we win in the end. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you have won the victory. Thank you that, Lord, even though we will go through difficult times in this life, that you are still, Lord, you are still in charge and we still win. Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us focus our eyes on your kingdom, your timeline, to live lives that are full of love and to guard our hearts. Lord, help us to follow you and in so doing, help us to walk lives that are full of peace and joy, love, and life in all of its fullness in the midst of whatever is going on around us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us here at The Vineyard. It's our greatest desire to see you find and follow God, and we hope that this podcast has helped you do just that. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. Again, thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.